right, welcome to week, the third week in this series that I am just absolutely loving. We call this series Glory, the Face of, of Jesus. So what we're doing is during this Christmas season, we're taking time to be intentional about seeing Jesus amongst the chaos. Now, now this isn't about ignoring the craziness of the world that we are living in right now. We're, we're not attempting to live a, a, some kind of fairy tale. We, what we're doing is we're choosing to look at the lines of our lives and see Jesus Christ. In fact, when we look at the real Christmas story, you know, the one the Bible gives us, uh, we, we see something very similar. Well, let's be honest. It's even more chaotic than what we're currently going through. When the birth of Jesus was, uh, took place, there was, there was constant political unrest. There was a census that was being used to control, abuse, and extort Israel, the population of Israel. Shortly after Jesus was born, his family was forced to run to a foreign country to escape the the, uh, death, and they were away from their family and friends. But despite all this craziness and chaos, the Word of God tells us that the glory of God was on full display. Now, Now stop and think about that for a second. It doesn't really match up with with our expectations, does it? Because our expectations are that when God shows up, everything will have that bohemian glow filter that every Hallmark Christmas movie has right now. That's not the biblical narrative. It was a, a chaotic time, full of struggles and difficulties, disappointments, and flat out danger. Paul writes this. He says that they are preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that we ourselves are servants for, G- for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God. And here's the theme verse that we are using for the series that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The difficulties and struggles don't disappear. But, but here, but there's, a, there's a light that is in our hearts. It's not the absence of frustration or disappointment. It is how we see them. Here's the sketch that I have been showing you guys over the last few weeks. If you focus, you can see either an old woman looking down, a big nose, or a young woman looking away. You see, the, the lines don't change. But what we see does. So, so we're taking the remainder of this year to look at the characteristics of God revealed to us in Jesus. We looked at this passage last week, this passage where Joseph is informed that his soon-to-be bride is going to have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's not a normal pregnancy announcement. But Matthew cues us in on why all this weirdness is important. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Jesus is the glory of God revealed to us. The characteristics of Jesus are the characteristics of God. Jesus reveals what God it reveals to us what God described to Moses in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, 
the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Last week, we spent time looking at the compassion, or as the ESV translators right here, the mercy of God. Today, we're going to look and see the graciousness of God revealed to us in Jesus. For those that weren't with us last week or those that need a refresher, this passage in Exodus is given at one of the pillar moments in the narrative of the children of Israel. Moses has led them out of slavery in Egypt, through the Red Sea, to Mount Sinai. Here, God invites the people he just rescued from slavery into a covenant relationship with him. Instead of worshiping the God that had just rescued them and invited them into a relationship and made, they had made a covenant with, they turn their backs on him. They, they make a golden calf and they worship it. All because Moses was taking too long getting the word of God written on tablets of stone. Obviously, and rightfully so, God is disappointed, frustrated, and he wants to turn his back on the people who had turned his back on him. Instead, after, God, after Moses reminds God of the covenant that he has made with him, it says in Exodus 32, verse 14, that the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. It is within this discussion that Moses is having with God that Moses asks of God, he says this, please show me your glory. And he said, and I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my, my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's within this context that God reveals the characteristics that he just got done displaying to the children of Israel, the ones that he repeatedly shows them, and the characteristics revealed to us through Jesus Christ. He is a God that is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So, so let's dive in and look at the characteristics of grace today. What, what does grace, what does the word gracious mean? The, the English word has really kind of two connected but different meanings. You, you may know someone with the name Grace, and hopefully her parents didn't jinx her, and she has grace, you, you know, that simple elegance, able to chew gum and walk at the same time. You, you can describe an athlete as, as graceful. Think of Patrick Mahomes, moving out of the pocket, running in one direction, and delivering a dime going the opposite direction. That, that is, that's grace in action. Or a gymnast bounding across the mat. The, their movement is refined, and it just flows. It is a movement of grace. It's graceful. But there's also the, the concept to, to be gracious. Typically, it means that individual is kind and courteous. They, they're a person of goodwill. They're the ones that let people in front of them at, at Walmart. 
when they get cut off in traffic, they're the ones that give the full hand wave <laughs> rather than the single finger salute. These are people we enjoy being around. All, all of this is very similar to, to the Hebrew word that is used in Exodus. Like grace, graceful, gracious, all have the same root that can be used in different ways, but they're all connected. The word God, the word God uses to describe himself here is Hanun, which is tr- translated gracious. It's, it's used as an adjective here, which is perfect for describing a characteristic. It connected to it and similar is the verb form. So the characteristic in action is the Hebrew word Hanun, Hanun, which means to be gracious. The word, but both of these words though have the root word of chen. Chen. You got to get that guttural sound there, which literally means grace. That's the root word. Now, the first time a word is used in the Bible, the, it lays the foundation for how it's going to be viewed going forward. This is called the principle of first mention. The word chen or, or grace is first used in Genesis chapter 6. It, it says that God looked at his creation of man, and saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that he was sorry that he had made man. Then it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Catch that, it's the grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Hebrew, ken, or grace, is something that is seen. Grace is a favorable response to beauty seen. It, it's something that we find ourselves drawn to. King Xerxes, in the book of Esther, uh, responds to Esther that way. The king loved Esther more than all the women, and she won grace and favor in his sight. There it is, grace, hen, more than all the other virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Just so that I'm not accused of being sexist, grace is also used in a song about David. The the psalmist writes, you are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace, hen, is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Grace is seen in the deer, the beauty of nature. She is lovely. Uh, She is a lovely deer, a graceful doe. That's Proverbs 5.19. It it, it elicits a favorable response because it's elegant or or charming. It might be because it's beautiful, but it it draws us in. Anything that we encounter that brings us delight could be called grace, that Hebrew word, chen. Proverbs 3.22 says God's wisdom is compared to a necklace. It says it's an ornament of chen, or usually translated an ornament of grace. The writer wants us to think of wisdom as a necklace that brings delight, grace to those who wear it and to those who see it. The Hebrew writers use these examples of of beauty and elegance, things worth treasuring, as descriptions of grace. So to have grace is to have a treasure. Just as the English word grace can be used in different ways, that word hen is also used when someone asks for grace, for favor, to be treated like a treasure, to be treated with grace. 
this flow of grace always flows from one person of a higher status to someone of lower status. When a king shows grace to a subject, or when a loan is forgiven, that it's given grace. Or when a person that doesn't deserve any favor or grace, they haven't done anything to earn it, in this way, grace is received. So grace is something that is seen, it is something that is received. There's a great example of this type of grace being received by Ruth. She receives uh, grace from a wealthy landowner named Boaz in the Older Testament book of Ruth. The narrative written of Ruth tells of, of a journey from her homeland in Moab to Israel with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now, both of them have lost their husbands, and they, they find themselves at the mercy of their family and friends. Barely scraping by, Ruth ends up picking up the leftovers in the fields after the workers have harvested wheat in order to provide for herself and Naomi. One of the fields she's rummaging in is that of Boaz. When Boaz sees her, he tells her, listen, to, uh, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right, here, right behind the young women working in the fields. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. In response to this generosity, look what she does. She falls on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest not take knowledge of me and see I am a stranger? She tells him, I'm not qualified to receive anything from you. I don't deserve any grace or favor from you. But yet someone of higher status brings up someone of lower status. Someone in authority can find someone of lesser status as worthy of grace. The person of lower status is then elevated to a position they do not deserve and could not obtain on their own. In English, someone that is consistently showing grace would be full of grace or graceful, I guess. This, this grace, hen, is being used now since they're full of it as, as an adjective. It's what they are. Remember, that would be hanun. There, there's no better example of, a, of one being full of grace than God himself. Every man woman, and child is of lower status than our Creator. But God consistently looks upon humans as something He treasures, and He gives it grace. He is the giver of grace. See, grace is something that is seen. Grace is something that is received, and therefore there has to be someone that grace is given. God treasures us. He doesn't show favor on us because we deserve it. The narrative of the Bible shows humanity constantly messing up. We lie, we cheat, we manipulate, we steal, we kill. We, we, we are constantly demonstrating to God that we don't deserve to be shown grace. 
But despite all of our failings, God is gracious. When God described himself as gracious in Exodus, he had just shown the children of Israel a powerful example of grace. God had just rescued them from Egypt. He had brought them to safety, had made a covenant with them. What's the first thing they do is they build an idol statue, breaking two of the commandments, first uh, two of the commandments of the covenant. And what is God's response? He shows grace and then calls himself gracious. God showed grace then, and he is full of grace today. The story of the Bible is about how God is relentlessly pursuing a relationship with humanity. He continually strives to show us grace even when we betray him turn our backs on him. Throughout the Bible, the God of the universe is, is reconciling the hard-hearted and the rebellious. When we get to the New Testament, the, word, the Hebrew word chen is replaced with the Greek word charis. Charis. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John is describing Jesus. And this is what he says. He says in John 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory as the only son of the father. There it is. The glory of God in the face of Jesus. John bore witness. Uh, he's full uh, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. There it is, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out. This is what he of, uh, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from him, for, for from his fullness, we have re all received grace upon grace. Through, through, I'm sorry, so we, we have received, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John intentionally connects the gracious God of Exodus chapter 34, when the law was given to Moses, and he directly connects it, that characteristic of grace, to Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of God's grace. As I close, let me challenge you in, in two ways. The first is to see the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the grace of God when he treasured and valued us to the point of voluntarily accepting the limitations of being a human being in order to give us the grace of God. We're able to receive the gift of grace through the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'd like to give you an opportunity to receive that grace today. We do this in response to what he has done for us. Because he has treasured us, we turn to him. The Bible word that's, that we use is repentance, and it simply means to turn to him. The only way that we can follow Jesus is we first have to turn towards him. And I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father, we turn to you in response to the grace you have shown us, a grace that we do not deserve. 
Thank you for valuing and treasuring me so much that you were willing to die for me. I repent. I turn to you that I will follow after you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the second way I want to challenge us. See, once we've received grace, we are then commissioned to use our grace for others. Paul makes this so clear in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 8. Now remember, the word grace in, in, in Greek is charis, but it's so clear here. In his grace, there's that word, charis, God has given us different gifts. The word there for gifts is the word charisma in Greek. The root word, grace. So it's a grace gift. For doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift, your charisma, is serving others, serve them well. And if you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is, there it is again, that charisma, that grace gift, is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it well. Bottom line, we have seen grace, we have received grace, and we are now empowered to give grace.